we don't have an obesity problem. We have an obesity mystery. Why is this that we have all these obese people? And it's the weirdest thing. People who are successful in many other parts of their life, but they can't do this thing. Why? That's weird. And so something had to change. Food Addiction is a podcast which explores the disease of food addiction and presents the solution. We interview professionals and counselors who specialize in the disease of food addiction, and we interview individuals who have successfully recovered from food addiction and discuss how they did it. Esther Helga Goodmans-Dotier was motivated to change careers after she recovered from food addiction by opening a food addiction treatment center and the INFACT School, the world's first and only sugar and food addiction counseling training, which offers a recognized certification. Check out the website for more information on obtaining this certification, as well as proven recovery programs at infactschool.com. Listen to these episodes as we discuss the problem and the solution around food addiction. I'm Susan Branscombe and the host of this In Fact School podcast, and I'm a recovered food addict. Today on the podcast, we welcome Tony W., a food addict in recovery. Welcome, Tony. Thank you so much, Susan. Great to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you here. I'm going to introduce you, and then we'll get into some questions. Uh, Tony W. is a food addict in a food recovery program whose weight reached as high as 464 pounds, Today, after getting into the Brightline Eating Program, Susan Pierce Thompson's program, in May of 2019, after he read her book, uh, when his weight was 381, in one year he released 150 pounds on the Brightline Eating Program, BLE. Susan Pierce Thompson has written several books. I've read two, and we hosted her on the podcast, and that podcast will have come out before Tony's. She has another book coming out in October, which is a daily inspirational book, so look for that. And we'll put in our notes the links to these books and uh, Susan's website. The ones I read are called Brightline Eating, The Science of Living Happy, Thin, and Free, and her most recent one is Resume, the powerful, frame, the powerful Reframe to End the Crash and Burn Cycle of Food Addiction. Tony read the Brightline Eating book, and it has changed his life. So welcome again, Tony. Thank you so much. Yeah. Well, I read about you in Susan Pierce Thompson's book, and she recommended you as a guest on the podcast. I have read your blogs and watched your interview on Facebook with Susan, and uh, you and I had a pre-podcast session, and really looking forward to uh, having you share your story of struggles with food and food addiction and how you recovered and what life is like now. So let's start. Um, I'd like to hear your story. I know a little bit about it, but I'd like you to tell the listeners you're like me. You've had some past issues with other addictions, uh, alcohol in my case, and you had alcohol and drugs. Uh, talk about the time in your life when you got clean and sober, and then you were also like me. You replaced alcohol and drugs with going to food. Right. So my story is that um, I always felt different, even as a child, uh, was bullied. Um, and then what I found out actually much later, I, you know, a lot of people in 12 uh, step recovery programs for alcohol and drugs probably started a lot younger than I did, but I didn't start till I was a junior in high school. And what I found was it made me feel um, people say it made me feel great, it made me feel normal for the first time. 
and able, able to fit in and, and be a part of, and it worked for a while uh, until it didn't. So um, I didn't really, the food part of it for me is something that's um, maybe unlike a lot of other food addicts in that I was a skinny kid growing up. Mm. I wasn't really, I wasn't really um, heavy or overweight. Uh, so eventually though, it caught up to me. Yeah, I was a skinny kid too. Uh, it really wasn't until I was 14, 15 that I started to gain weight um, and using food. I used food as a kid, but I was active enough that I just, my weight was normal. Um, so tell me about the, the uh, alcohol, uh, drug addiction in your life and, and uh, getting clean and sober. Yeah, well, it started out as partying on the weekends, you know, and mm. hanging out with friends. And pretty soon, though, it became how I dealt with life, how I felt normal. You know, started out with uh, alcohol. Then I was bringing uh, vodka to school in 11th grade. And uh, then I would, at lunchtime, I would go across the street and get some orange juice and have a screwdriver in uh, fifth period. You know, I'm like, don't don't all 17 year olds do this? Um, no, they don't actually. So, yeah. but it led to other, uh, drugs. And actually the reason I started doing drugs because, uh, for a tall, big guy, I could not hold my liquor. And so I started mm. doing drugs that allowed me to drink more. Uh, yeah. and that's not a, it wasn't a good idea. Uh, that led to, um, it led to a lot of problems in my life. And it really only came to a head when I realized I was in trouble and I needed help. And uh, when I went yeah. to my, my first 12-step uh, program for uh, alcohol was in 1991. 91. So you've been clean and sober from alcohol and drugs for a long time. Right. And my, my choose my sobriety birthday as um, uh, June 14th of 92, because that's the first day that I really started working uh, the, the uh, 12 steps. Good. Yeah, I was June first, two thousand twelve. That's my that's my oh. date. So, um, and you say something that a lot of food addicts say, a lot of alcoholics say, and that is, I felt like an outsider. I wasn't. I didn't feel a part of anything. But when I drank, I did feel better. I felt like I was included. Like there was. Uh, it made me feel more comfortable dealing with people. Is that the way you felt? Well, sure. I mean, you know, the, you have the high school cliques, you know, you got the jocks, you got the nerds and everything. This clique was the easiest one to join. You know, this clique was like, hey, you want some of this? Yes. Okay, you're in. You know, I mean, it's like yeah. that. So it wasn't yeah. really, uh, and it was and it was, it was that kind of thing for me where um, I had people who I hung out with who were the partiers, you know, are the, are the, the stoners, as they call them, burnouts. I don't know what they call them now. Yeah, I did that too. It sounds like you were the guy with the with the booze, right? Absolutely. You brought booze to school. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. I had that feeling at 14 where I started drinking at a party with other girls and I just felt like, Oh my God, I feel, I feel okay. I feel free. I feel, you know, normal. And that's when it started really for me, but uh, in college. And then as I was working, I continued to drink. Um, so tell me about, um, what happened uh, when you really first realized that, you know, if, you're, if your weight went up to 464, 381 when you got into BLE, I mean, you started, you were using food. You were, you weighed a lot more than your body was supposed to weigh. So when did you really see that happening? 
Well, I first started putting on weight when I was a teenager. Uh, I worked at Baskin Robbins, and they allowed you to eat anything you wanted while you were working there, which was, you know, and I was smoking weed at the time. So, you know, put those together, and guess what? You know, just like a balloon, I just, you know, and so, but it really was the, the whole fast food culture that we live in. Uh, that's the way I ate. And growing up, I should I should mention, growing up, my mom was a great cook, but the, and we had five, uh, I have four brothers, and you know, on Sunday on Sundays we had a big dinner um, before after church, and it was you know it's fried chicken, it's uh, macaroni and cheese, collard greens, rolls. I mean, and my dad's plate would look like. Um, you know, the Devil's Tower, Wyoming and Close Encounters, or, you know, where they had that, that big, huge mound. And that's where I learned, you know, that's what you do. You, you, you know, you just grub out, pig out. And it's not, it's not frowned upon. Um, but, but anyway, so I was able as a, as a child, I was able to, um, like you say, I was active. And so I was able to keep my weight down. But once I became a, a, a late, late teens, they really started to catch up to me. But it really wasn't until later on is when I was an adult that I really started to have a, uh, you know, I started putting on serious, uh, you know, hundreds of pounds overweight. Yeah, you're, I'll tell the listeners, you are an African-American man. And um, you've talked about the culture in the African-American community around food, right? Right, right, absolutely. And so, so you have so many fried foods and, and those kind of things. And, and it's... Um, it's really horrible when you, you think about it because the, the, the and this is not just um, to African-Americans that other, other people have food in their cultures that are part of their it's a part of your culture. It's a part of who you are and you're expected to, to partake in it. And yet it's the thing that was killing me. You know, yes. it's the yeah. thing that was killing me. Yeah. Talk about your health um, problems that that happened when you were 464, 381. When you first began BLE, what what kind of health problems did you have associated with the obesity? Well, for a number of years, I, I was fine, you know. And then I remember I was at a concert, and I had to keep going. To, I had to keep going to the bathroom, and I was really thirsty. And I knew what that meant because my mom had diabetes, and so um, that was really the first time I had any kind of health problem. And then. It kind of spiraled, and this is a, this is at my highest weight, around about four hundred sixty-four pounds. And so I started to have neuropathy in my feet. I started to have, you know, the joint pain, um, high cholesterol, you know, the shot. It was just every everything. It was just um, a, a big spiral. Then I started to have hernias. I had hernia, five hernia surgeries in one year. I mean, I was c- contemplating the. Um, gastric bypass at one point but i uh i opted not to do that which i'm thankful for now you know but uh it really was a thing of me gradually gaining weight and then um getting to the point where there were so many things that i saw were going to go were going to happen that if i didn't take some action and then a friend of mine a friend of mine who was younger than me and weighed less than me had a stroke and i saw i saw then i had a moment of clarity then that's going to be me that's if i don't do something that's going to be me yeah i always think there's a click there's something that happens where it's like okay all of a sudden you see it so clearly that 
here's how you're living your life. And here is the possibility of doing something different. Was that the click for you seeing your friend that's younger than you be obese and have a stroke? It was terrifying. It truly was because here was this guy who was, this, you know, he's a good friend of mine. And um, all of a sudden his life changed completely. I should mention that friend has since died. Um, so what happened though, was I, I had another friend who I, I had noticed that she had uh, been losing some weight and we we're talking about some things. And so I asked her about, you know, what's she doing to lose weight? Cause I had started doing the thing of, uh, walking, you know, I said, I, I'll, I'll start walking. I'll start exercising more, you know, the things that we tell us. And anyway, so I started walking, uh, five days a week. And in that month I lost eight pounds, which is nothing to sneeze at. But so, but in that time I talked to my friend and she told me about Brightline eating. She says, uh, Brightline eating. I said, I'd never heard of that. And, and my initial reaction though was, Oh my God, not another 300 page diet book. I'm not going to read this. Show me what I need to do, you know, which is, which is funny because in the book, Susan talks about people doing that exact thing, you know, uh, and, and urges, urges us not to do that, to, to, uh, read the book and see why we have this struggle. What's going on? Why? And she, I think in the preface, she talks about how, or at the beginning of the book, she says, we don't have an obesity problem. We have an obesity mystery. Why is this that we have all these obese people? And it's the weirdest thing. People who are successful in many other parts of their life, but they can't do this thing. Why? That's weird. And so something had to change. You know, um, what I've learned as I've done this podcast is that obesity can be a symptom of food addiction, but there are food addicts out there who have this disease uh, that, that, eat compulsively, that look at food compulsively, that weigh themselves compulsively, that are in these programs, the BLE program, the 12-step programs for food addiction, and they're not obese. And, and yet, for me and for you, um, we ate, uh, we, I mean, I'm sure that you ate a lot of sugar and volumes of food uh, that, that was beyond what your body needed. So, it sounds like you read the book and said, okay, here's Here's a plan. And it, you got the click, right? Well, it changed my life. And because because what I I had already been uh, familiar with 12-step uh, programs for food. I went to one for a, a few years. So I, the, the food plan was familiar to me. Uh, weighing my food was familiar to me. Um, the the fellowship that is involved in, in, in support in bilateral was um a vital component. What was new was putting those two things together with the science because Susan is a neuroscientist. And so putting that uh, together and seeing why my getting my body and my brain to work together to lose weight was the difference. And so complete and looking at looking at different um, uh, foods as drugs, as substances that I'm using um, to get that place in my uh, head that I got from drugs and alcohol and um, I was getting from food. And I, I had never put those two things together before. Yeah. So that was really the turning point. Yeah. Yeah. Susan Pierce Thompson is a PhD as we know, and she has studied this and I, a big part of her program, bright line eating BLE is around the brain science. So what, what clicked with that with you on the, on the brain science? Well, I think the, the main thing is that there were so many uh, things that I was using 
that um, it was inhibiting me from 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 losing weight because it, for one thing, I I had got involved in the whole um, uh, low carb thing, you know, eating all this meat and all that, you know, the diet, and um, it really it worked for a while. Uh, then it didn't work. I didn't use, I didn't do a bunch of different diets, but that one in particular I did. But in that diet, one of the, you know, the things that are, are acceptable is artificial sweeteners. And so I went to town, you know, I, and, and, and also another thing that I was doing was um, trying desperately to recreate the foods that I no longer ate, but make them um, acceptable to this particular program. And so I got really good at it. Eventually, I started eating the actual things again, yeah. you know, so that, that's the problem, with, I think, with with that and, and the uh, but I did learn that using artificial sweeteners was a, a big thing for me too, and cut yeah. it all out. Tony, when we're obese, we carry extra weight uh, and we're concerned about things that people who are normal weight don't think about. Like uh, you've had some experiences with airline seats, collapsing chairs, getting into cars. Talk about weighing nearly 400 pounds, over 400 pounds and what what we think about as obese people. Absolutely. Yeah. I was a speaker at an event with hundreds of people and I'm, they had a dinner beforehand and I'm sitting talking with people and we're having a good time laughing. And all of a sudden I'm on the floor, busted the chair and hurt my arm. And I, I had to play it off. Like I was, you know, like it was funny. And I could, I actually used it as a uh, icebreaker at the opening of my talk, but I was mortified. I was horrified. And um, and from then on, whenever I went to any anywhere, I went to a restaurant, I went to a friend's house. The first thing I'm doing is checking out the chairs they have to see if they're going to hold me because I don't want that to happen. It's something I don't think about now. But and you mentioned the air, air, airplane. I haven't ridden on a plane since 2019, uh, but I am looking forward to the time. When, uh, matter of fact, I'm going to make an announcement myself. I'm going to, ladies and gentlemen, I, I do not need an extender. Look at me. I'm sitting, <laughs> I'm sitting in the middle seat. How about this? Look what I can do. I'm going to do that, you know. But I have not done that yet. But it's it's one of those things where your life, you start to accept things um, that you kind of have to do that other people don't think about. Crossing my legs when I'm sitting. Yeah, crossing my legs sitting down. Those kind of things. Yeah. I can cross my legs now. My thighs aren't huge like they were. And it's really pretty cool when you do get in on an airplane and you will, I'm sure, uh, to to not open the seat belt. So it's like, okay, I'll make sure this fits around me. You're like, I, a lot of times I reduce it from the person that was there before, which right. is really cool. Yeah. Right, absolutely. Um, talk about the bright lines. Uh, what are the kind of the non-starters or I guess the starters uh, with the BLE program? around sugar, flour, sweeteners um, that you do? Well, I should preface this by saying the thing about bright line eating is that it doesn't lend itself to nutshelling. Uh, it really doesn't. I mean, to be sure, there are four bright lines, and I'll go over those, but uh, it is so much more than that. And it isn't, and it truly is not about what I'm not doing. Uh, it's about what I'm doing. And so, but the four bright lines are no sugar, no flour, weighed meals, and um, three three meals a day. Uh, are and some people eat more than that, or and some people eat less. It's it's about it's about having a quantity of certain quantity of meals a day. And there is there is room for um, 
uh, modification in there as well. You know, so so that's what I love about it. It's, it's very flexible. Yeah. When I first became uh, abstinent, what we call abstinent in my program, uh, I went through withdrawal. Um, and it was hard for me to eat the volumes of food I was expected to eat because I eat 20 ounces of vegetables a day. It was hard for me to eat that volume, but I was eating all this other stuff. Um, did you go through withdrawal from your favorite foods or the volume? You know, that's not my story. Uh, my story is this, that when I read the book, I was so juiced about it. I was so pumped about reading this book and, and seeing, I had the, the uh, a very similar experience when I read a book about 12-step recovery from alcohol that I was ready to do it. And so mm. I didn't have the whole uh, last suppering thing where we eat all the things you're never going to eat again. And I didn't have the, I mean, here's what, I mean, I, most people will start the, a new diet or, or a new food program on the first of the month or on a, on a Sunday or something. I started on Friday, May 17th, which is weird. Uh, but that was the day that I was, everything was ready to go. I had all my food. I, you know, I had shopped and I had gotten rid of the things I weren't going to eat anymore. I had my scale. And so that was my day one. So, so to be sure, yes, when I, when I did start eating without sugar and flour, there were withdrawals, but not, I didn't have the cravings like, like it was really, really bad. I, I didn't have that. No. Okay. Yeah, I, I did. I, but I, they are temporary and it takes two, three weeks really for most people, not all people to kind of get through those symptoms and just know that they'll go away. Uh, but withdrawal cravings are really common when we stop eating all those foods and start eating what our body is meant to eat. Um, you don't, you don't weigh yourself uh, anymore. You stopped weighing yourself December, 2021. Why? Well, when I was on weight, the weight loss portion of, the, of BLE, I weighed myself once a month and I was a rapid loser. I was averaging like 10 pounds a month. And so mm. I would put it on Facebook, you know, on, on the first of the month, it was like a party. It was like a Saturday. Look at this, look at the weight I lost. You know, it's awesome. And then I switched to maintenance a year later and I started weighing weekly. And um, that the, the thing I should mention is that a lot of people have a horrible relationship with the scale. And mine was not horrible, but it was always stressful to get on that scale. That's why yeah. I can never weigh myself every day. And I know a lot of people do that, and it's fine. Some people just use it as data, and they don't trip on it. But me, I started going, well, my life is not about this. Uh, getting to this bright body, as we say, was not about um, the scale. It's not about the number. So I, I have to live like it's not. And it's been the mm -hmm. best decision for me. Uh, about six or seven months ago, I was um, looking underneath my sink and I there's my scale and I pulled it out and I realized that the batteries had died and I was totally cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can't weigh yourself now, Tony. <laughs> the batteries, right. are dead, right? batteries are dead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, the scale for those of us who have been through a lot of diets, losing weight, gaining weight, Still, to me, this day, I have trouble with the scale, but I weigh myself once a week religiously on Friday mornings, and I have a range I need to stay in. My body is going to hold water sometimes and not others, but as long as I stay in that range. But if you eat pretty much the same amounts every day, your weight shouldn't go up or down unless you know you need to take food out or have food put back in, which is 
I worked with a nutritionist and she helps me with that. And she's helped me for the last over six years doing that. So that's how I do it. But I still, I still get, you know, have this feeling like I don't want to step on the scale or I get excited when my weight's down. I get upset when my weight's up. So it's, it's a, it's a thing. So I understand not weighing yourself, but um, it's interesting. You got sober from drugs and alcohol with a 12 step program. You were abstinent, happy, thin, and free with Susan's program. So you use a 12-step program to get sober, and then you work uh, Susan's program on, on the food recovery. So it's, and it's not a 12-step program. What, what would you say about that? Well, actually, as it happens, there's a lot of things that in Brightline Eating are official. You know, there's, it's, a, it's a commercial, it's a, it's a uh, um, for-profit company. You know, and so there are a lot of things that there's a paid membership uh, for a lot of things. But I will say this, and I need to say this about Susan, because um, people have criticized her for some things, uh, for monetizing this or whatever. And here's the thing. She put the program in her book, which I got from the library, by the way. Uh, and I wasn't even I wasn't a part of the paid membership for some time. Um, and I was just doing it out of the book. And she, the maintenance part, which is which is the whole uh, deal is in the book. Plus, she has a bunch of free uh, YouTube videos, a ton of free YouTube videos. It's it's definitely not a twelve step program. Absolutely not. It is a, so. That said, there are a ton of people who have 20, 30, 40 years of, of sobriety in in other twelve um, step programs and in, in, in twelve step programs. And so, what a lot of us that's what I was, my point I was making was there's a lot of official parts of uh, BLE, and then there's some unofficial parts. They have mastermind groups, which are not really, you know, they don't, they, they suggest those, but they don't uh, monitor them or anything. And there's other parts of it like that. Well, so what has sprung up over the last few years are hybrids of uh, BLE 12-step meetings that are meet on, on Zoom. We've been doing it for three or four years now. And those have been extremely helpful because not everybody in Brightline Eatings are in 12-step uh, meetings, but then there are a lot of us. And for a lot of us, they do go, um, for me, it's not hand in hand. There is a tension because of the things we talked about, uh, about the, you know, but um, in terms of, you know, the bottom line, it isn't just about, as I said earlier, it's not just about the, the four, the, the four bright lines. It's also about getting to the, the reasons why we're doing this in the first place. It's doing the inner work. That's why it, they fit uh, hand and gloved in some respects. One of the things I noticed in in there is, you know, she's a big proponent of writing, uh, gratitudes, uh, a spiritual, you know, meditation is a big one for her. S- a spiritual side, of course, 12-step programs, there's a large spiritual side of this, just, uh, you know, the reference to higher power, et cetera. So I did see... I did see a lot of that in her, in her program, but she promises uh, the people that follow this to be happy, thin, and free. Are you happy, thin, and free? Don't I look happy, thin, and free? You look happy, <laughs> thin, and free, Tony, I have to say. No. yeah. No, I, I should mention that um, what I love about Rodline Eating, too, is that they do um, assess where they're going and, and change things that aren't necessarily um, – may not be the best way to present themselves. And so what they, they assume now for me, I think happy, thin and free was wonderful because I had never ever thought to be thin. I would never use that word. 
Um, so uh, it gave me a hope that I, I couldn't even uh, imagine. But they they usually they don't really use that so much anymore. I should mention the happy the thin part. Um, yeah. That's you know, and and because for one thing, you mentioned earlier about um, people who weren't uh, severely obese, and that's, there's a lot of people in Bad Eating who didn't who were not obese. There's a woman in the book who her before and after pictures are kind of the same, you know. Yeah. But yet they're a food addict, same, just like me. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it can be it can manifest itself. We know about eating disorders, uh, binging, anorexia, and that kind of thing, and it can be just compulsive behaviors. I know people that lick spoons, you know, and that's a compulsive behavior uh, that they binge and purge. Um, that that food that food has a power in their lives that is beyond what would be considered perhaps normal, and but they're not obese, so we know that. A um, couple more questions before we get into some recovery stuff here. Um, you're like me um, when 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 you ate. I believe that where you felt where it was hard to discern whether I was full or not. You know, I really loved the feeling of feeling like super full, like it it made me feel safe. Uh, and as I changed my food plan to something normal, so I could get to a normal weight, it was unusual for me to feel like. I'm full. I'm satisfied. I don't need to eat anymore. I don't want to eat anymore. Talk about that. Oh, yeah. Well, that you know, my favorite um, holiday was Thanksgiving. You know, you watch yeah. football, you eat. You watch football, you eat some more. Are you kidding me? This is awesome. <laughs> Can we do this every day? It actually, it kind of was after the football part. But, uh, but I, you know, the part of me that tells me that you know, you're full, uh, that was broken. <laughs> that was broken. Uh, and Susan explains why in the book, um, that it's an, it's an actual thing, eating all these hyper palatable foods that, um, that aren't giving me the nutrition that I need. And so that's why I'm hungry all the freaking time. You just finished eating and yet you're hungry. Me and my wife would go to dinner and then in the, uh, the, the, um, restaurant was in the parking lot of the theater. So we'd walk across the parking lot from the restaurant to the theater. And by the time we got there, we walk in and of course, what do you do? You get a bunch of popcorn and I'm literally hungry. I just ate. Mm -hmm. What is that about? And so I yeah. remember once I started doing bright line eating and I reached what they call automaticity. Um, I wish I had written the date down, but I didn't write the date down. of when I felt this, I was sitting and eating. And I was like, what is this? And I wasn't even done eating yet. I was like, I'm feeling full. And it was a weird feeling. Because I that hadn't happened for such a long time. I, I've been doing some research. I'm certainly a novice, but uh, what I've heard or read by Dr. Lustig, uh, who we've hosted on here, um, is that um, insulin, high insulin levels in our in our blood, which is in response to all the sugar, will block the satiation hormones. And so we never feel full. It's blocking the satisfying hormones. So... Uh, let's talk about your recovery. Um, we know that in recovery, when we start eating the way our bodies are meant to eat and we nourish it, we have physical recovery uh, and we naturally lose weight because we're eating less, we're eating right. Um, but then we look at our lives and Susan talks about this in her book. What needed to be changed in your life? What did you see? How have your relationships changed in your life? That's interesting. Um, 
and, and there's a story in that. Uh, because when I first read the book, one of the things that I realized right away was that my wife absolutely was, a, we have a susceptibility scale. And I was a seven on the scale. And I saw she's absolutely a 10. You know, she, she's had weight struggles all her life. She's the one who uh, introduced me to um, a 12 step program for food years and years ago. And, and yet I knew that for me to go, Hey, honey, you need to do this too, was not going to be the best plan that, and, and even <laughs> things like trying to be subtle and, you know, leave the book out where she would see it or something. No, right. it had to, I had to, she had to come to that decision herself. And, and if, she, if she had not, I still would be doing this too, by the way, I'm just, because it, it made my life so much better. Um, I think that the thing that people see, the, the thing that gets people in the door are, are the, uh, the remarkable weight loss uh, stories. Of course, that's what people come here for. But what they stay for, hopefully, is the um, getting rid of the mental chatter. You know, I, I just finished the book Chatter by Ethan Cross. And it's awesome. That's the thing is uh, peace of mind. You know, I didn't come here for that. I didn't come here for that. But that's the thing that is uh, is huge. So, yes, people are going to see that. Yes, this guy used to wear a 4X shirt. He used to wear a size 56 pants. And now he wears a large shirt and 36 waist pants. But what you can't see by looking at me is how serene I am now, how I'm able to uh, finally have self-confidence and and realize my own self-worth. Yeah. Wonderful. Uh, the susceptibility scale is in Susan's book. Uh, it's a, a grade uh, one through 10. You said you were a seven. I took it and I was a solid 10. <laughs> so I, I, um, a critical level food addict. Um, so yeah. Um, you talk about the inside job of recovery and that BLE revolutionized your life. What talk about that. The serenity is a, is a big part of it. I think it's, partly chemical, the, what the sugar does to your brain, and then just feeling like I'm okay now, that, that I'm at a good weight and I don't have to feel like an outsider or feel embarrassed to walk into a room. Talk about that. Yeah, well, it's similar to the things we talked about before, the outward things of uh, not breaking chairs. That's always a good plus. That's always a big plus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, I mean, besides all of those things, it is the, the, the confidence that I have now, the um, – for the longest time, I always I wanted to write a book for the longest time. And I should mention, it wasn't just Frightline Eating that helped me get to this. It was also the pandemic, uh, where I saw a bunch of people people saying, one of these days, I'm going to do this. One of these days, when I get when I retire, I'm going to do this. And then they died, and they never did that. And so it really brought into sharp focus for me, you know, that coupled with the fact that I now had uh, self-esteem, self-confidence I didn't have before, I was able to finally do that. And I've written three books now, you know, in three years. And so, um, but those are things that, I mean, I can do hard things as Susan says, um, you know, uh, which I, I, I didn't have the conf- I had the ability before I didn't have the confidence to do before. Yeah. Wonderful. You talk about automaticity, your new best friend. I think that's either from you or it's from Susan. Uh, and you don't see, see that word very often, but automaticity, talk about that and how it's related to your program. Well, it goes along with uh, James Clear when he talks about uh, um, his book on uh, atomic habits, that, that kind of thing. Doing something to where you don't have to think about it. In the, in the, the examples, uh, the, one of the best examples is um, 
when you're driving. You're learning to drive. You're looking all around. You're like, oh my God, I'm getting on the freeway. You're checking this. Where am I? You know, you're so freaked out. And, that, and then after, but after you've been driving for years, you're just get on the people get on the freeway. They're brushing their teeth. They're coming their hair. They're eating. Something. You know, you shouldn't be doing that. But I'm just saying, those are things you can do. You don't you don't look at it the same way because it's it's automatic. And so yeah. getting getting my food to where I'm not tripping on. Uh, what am I going to eat? Am I going to eat this? Am I going to eat that? What it, no, I, I've already um, the day before I will I write my food down, or actually it's in my phone, so I just change the the date on it, mm-hmm. and I send it to my younger brother Scott, who is also uh, in Bright Night Eating too, by the way, <laughs> and I send it to he's my he's my buddy in Bright Night Eating, which is awesome. So. Yeah, uh, it takes a while for the automaticity, at least in my case, because I had a list of foods I could eat and how much I was supposed to eat. And it's automatic today, uh, but uh, it took me a while to feel like these new habits were were um, sort of rote and, and automaticity comes in. But it, it happens. You get through the withdrawal, the cravings, you get used to what you need to do, and the benefits are wonderful. You know, just living this life, you know. Definitely. Um, in alcohol recovery programs, there are, uh, from my experience, there are usually a lot more men in there than women. In food addiction recovery programs, there are a lot more women. So um, how do you think food addiction recovery might be? I've heard you talk about this, but uh, how, how is it different for men? And have you found men gather in the BLE program? Yeah, BLB is 96% female. That's that's from Susan. Okay. So we, we are the proud 4%. We are the BLE unicorns, <laughs> we call ourselves, because there's not a lot of us, you know. But that said, um, I look for the similarities and not the differences. I mean, uh, what I love about it is, you know, like going into 12-step recovery, I can walk into a room and I don't know anybody, but I kind of know you. You know, we have something in common. To be sure, there are differences. I've been in uh, BLE unofficial Zoom meetings where women are talking about, you know, um, uh, things that only women uh, would have that problem. And that's fine. And it's funny because they always go, sorry, Tony. And I'm like, I've been married for almost 29 years. I have a daughter. You're not going to freak me out. Come on. Um, but and uh, but with the, the men, we have our own Marco Polo group. Uh, we use an app and we communicate there. There's about 40 of us on there, and uh, and it's wonderful. And the thing is, we I, I'm one of the few who had the experience of being with the, the, the guys in BLE and being with women. I tell them, I go, there's, there's not a – we talk about the same stuff. You know, I mean, actually, in the in the, the funny thing was in the, in the women's group – it's not a women's group, but it's mainly women um, – they talk about hockey and stuff. I go, you guys talk about sports more than we do with the guys. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's kind of funny. Yeah. We have some men's groups in my program too. And I always think in my insecure way that they're, they're talking about us and complaining <laughs> about us, <laughs> but it's like, ah, oh, Susan, they're just, they're just talking, you know, and I talk to women differently than I talk to men in my program. There's a lot of fellowship here and the fellowship was a big part of my recovery, and it sounds like it was for you. And fellowship is community to me. It's it's other people that share this that I may not have anything else in common with, or I could have things in common with with, with these pe- with these folks in the fellowship. But one thing I do have in common is that I don't eat normally, and I am a, an addict around food. Yeah. Right, and I, I think that's important because I, I mentioned earlier that you know I read the book and I. 
um, just was just use, using the book. My my youngest uh, brother Scott, he is a uh, what he calls it a, a bright booker. He coined that term, uh, where he doesn't he doesn't he's never been a part of the paid membership or anything. The, but that said, there has to be some sort of um, fellowship. This is not something that you can. I don't think you can do alone. Uh, and, and, and even then, I was I was involved in a um, unofficial. Um, Facebook group because uh, BLE didn't have an official group at that point, and so I was automatically I was already in a, a community of people um, who I felt comfortable with who because they they got this thing like you said I'm not a normal eater I know I get that which is funny because the way I eat is looked upon as being weird and yet um, the way that most of America uh, eats is this stuff made by food scientists it's not even actual yeah. food. What I've learned is uh, in this, and Susan talks about this in the book, Dr. Lustig talks about it, that 80% of the foods in the grocery are not really foods. They're ultra-processed and sugar is is in there. They add sugar, high fructose corn syrup. There are 262 names for sugar and it's in there. And that's not food. Uh, that's not what we eat. But um, how old are you? 59. Okay. You're younger than me. <laughs> um, a couple more questions here as we close out. Um, you say in one of your writing interest in, entries, uh, this ain't just another diet. It's a lifestyle. And you say, I have peace of mind around food. What do, what do these things mean to you? Well, I, you know, before it was always a matter of, um, like I said, what am I going to eat? And um, I, I didn't have, I didn't understand that eating is not about like a trip to Disneyland. It's more like a trip to the, the, the gas station. Now that analogy does not, uh, it breaks down because food should be, eating should be pleasurable. Your body wants you to, be, it wants you to eat because you gotta have fuel. So, and it's not pleasurable going to the gas station, especially not now. Um, but, but that said, it's, it's given, it's put in its rightful place. You know, I do know now that I, once you you put the right fuel in my body, it works so much better. Not just in terms of losing weight, but but thinking and and, um, and being able to um, express myself and uh, being able to be more empathetic and all these different things in my life. Uh, now, to be sure, using other tools, using the inner work and, like you said, meditation and uh, other things to get to this point. But but I had to start there. I had to stop eating. Um, these the sugar and flour absolutely, or else it's not. I'm not going to be able to get there. Right. Yeah. I. I mean. I. The program of food recovery that I'm in has saved my life. I can say that for sure. I don't know if I'd be alive still. Uh, weighing, I had 70 pounds I was carrying that I shouldn't have had. So today I I get to be here. And uh, you say you talked about having peace of mind um, around food and you know, we learn what to eat. You know, I have, I eat six times a day. I eat three snacks, three meals, and it's full of protein, fats. Fat doesn't make you fat. We, our bodies need fat. I have a little bit of carbs. I have uh, vegetables and, um, and some starches. So my body loves it. As my doctor says, I don't have, I have a low A1C, you know, I have a low cholesterol. I have, you know, I'm healthy. I'm 65 years old. And today I'm, I'm healthy. So thank God for recovery, right? 
I think people think that I'm starving myself too. That's the thing that's hilarious to me because no, I'm eating so much food. I've shown people what I eat. I go, this is how much I eat every day. Are you kidding me? I eat, like you said, I eat, I eat 22 ounces of vegetables a day. I, I eat a lot of food. My, my, I mean, it's abundant. As a matter of fact, I will say this too. That whole Thanksgiving Day thing, some there was times uh, I'm in maintenance now, so that's why I, I have so much. But there were times when I was laying in my bed after eating hours before. And I told my wife, I don't, I don't like that feeling of being really full. I don't like it anymore. And so now I had to cut. I had to uh, take some. You know, we add stuff in maintenance. I had to take some some of my maintenance ads out. Just because it was too much, because I was feeling too full. Who is this guy? You know, I mean, that isn't, that isn't what I was, that is not the person I was before. Yeah. I used to host Thanksgiving, and that's what food addicts do sometimes, because I get to eat as I'm cooking, eat as I'm cooking, Definitely. eat when we eat, and then nibble right. later. So, um I don't host Thanksgiving anymore. <laughs> I eat my, I weigh my turkey. I don't have dressing. I just have my vegetables. I just eat what I normally eat. It's just another day, right? Right, right. Yeah. All right. Last question for you, Tony. This is sort of a signature question that I ask a lot of my guests who uh, are in food addiction recovery programs. What would you say to someone who might be listening who weighs, say, 50, 75, 150 pounds more than he or she should, who've tried diets and they gain it back? They just can't keep the weight off and not sure what to do next. Uh, the food has a hold on them. They don't want to be miserable anymore. They want to be free like you and me. What would you say to that person? I would say, first off, you're not alone. That There is capital H-O-P-E hope for you. Um, and, and this is the best time in the history of the world to be a food addict. Um, now, that may not be um, what you want to hear, but it is the truth because uh, there is. Uh, and I, of course, Bright Line Eating is how it worked for me. It, it may not work for everybody. And I, I'm not a blivangelist, as we say. You know, I, I'm just putting it out there that um, this is what worked for me and many others where other programs have not worked for a lot of the people who are in bright line eating. And um, what I've seen is that there is a way to do this. There is a reason why um, you feel the way you do. There is a reason why you, you, you eat the way you do. And it's not because um, you're a failure. It's not because, um, you know, uh, you're, you're a bad person or something. Um, for a lot of us, we had to get down to the reasons uh, we had to remove the uh, sugar and flour and other uh, substances first and then start working on that. But there is help. There is help and there's hope. There is help. And you and I work different programs. Uh, we found a path to this life of being happy, thin, and free, which is different. But it worked. Mine worked for me. Yours worked for you. There is a solution. I guess is what I'm hearing you say. There is a solution for this. And it's not our fault. I am a very disciplined person about a lot of things. I couldn't, I didn't have the willpower to continue to keep sugar out of my life and the volume eating on my own. Uh, I needed help. And that's what I've, I've found and that's what you found. So I hope the listeners, I know the listeners will have gotten a lot out of this, uh, this talk today. And thank you. Thank you for joining me. It's been delightful to get to know you and hear your story. And uh, I appreciate your participation. 
Thank you so much, Susan. I appreciate you asking me to do this. It's so wonderful. Thank you. This is the Food Addiction Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the podcast and learned more about this disease. We hope you will rate and write a review on this podcast and share it with others. If you or someone you know is suffering from the disease of food addiction, there is a solution. The various food addiction recovery programs are available and listed on the website, theinfactschool.com. Or if you would like to know more about how to get certified in treating food addiction, the school is accepting applications now for its next training beginning in September 2023. Go to theinfactschool.com. That's I-N-F-A-C-T school.com to learn more.